Welcome to episode 136 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the what a clusterfuck edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my very happy co-host Josh Fine, avoiding uh, the impending hurricane. He's not in a, he's in a different part of the state of Florida, so hopefully all will be safe for you there, Josh. Uh, but one thing that's for sure that is definitely safe is your uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in the in the safe hands of Trevor Lawrence and his amazing quaff and uh, Doug Peterson going to Los Angeles and beating the LA Chargers of Anaheim, Alameda, and all other residing counties. I think you had more fans there than the Chargers had. You hurt a couple, you injured a couple of people. Um, it was definitely a beatdown of epic proportions and um, in what was pretty grim day in other areas of, of sport and in motorsport. Uh, you had the one positive thing for sure with your Jaguars coming through with another victory and uh, taking over the lead in the division. First time, I think, since 17. Yeah, of course. Um, Well, 2018, I guess, like, you know, we had that three and one start before everything went down the drain there. But uh, yeah, this turning out to be a great start to the year. Two and one Jaguars uh, going in and obliterating the uh, LA Chargers, the San Diego Chargers, uh, the Chargers, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, this is a, a great time right now. Um, we've had a lot of struggle the last, you know, three and a half seasons. And now, now, uh, you know, finally got some winning football here. And, you know, the, the, this is the biggest road victory since 2001. And then, you know, this is also the first, you know, since uh, 2000 when they, uh, I guess, two games in a row where they uh, won by over 20 points. Uh, so, yeah, just a you know, great time to, you know, be a Jaguars fan right now. And, yeah, you know, another thing, you, you, the, the hurricane, well, we're having the hurricane coming to Florida, impacting Florida this, uh, you know, this week at, at some point. Probably going to get, I mean, at least where I'm at, going to get a little bit of rain uh, and, well, probably a lot of rain, but, you know, a little bit of wind here and there. Same thing in Jacksonville, more than likely, um, maybe a little bit more wind over there. Uh, but, um, you know, had the hurricane come through, <clears throat> we shut out the Colts and we beat them in Jacksonville, um, which both happened in 2017. And also we beat the Chargers uh, in 2017 also. And guess what? We went to the AFC Championship game. And you know it's uh, it's 2017 again, so uh, that's that's what it's looking like here. You know, except this time, you know, we got the the quarterback to finish the job, we got the coach to finish uh, the job, and um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see you know how the rest of this year plays out. But um, you know, it's an exciting time. But you know, on the other end of it, you know, the racing side, yeah, you know, of course, um, it, what a clusterfuck. Uh, Charlie Foxtrot, you know, for military people out there. Um, yeah, this, this, uh, Texas race, uh, in the cup series, especially it was a complete mess. And, um, you know, it's got a lot of people questioning, uh, the leadership, you know, officiating everything. So, um, yeah, it's uh, probably one of the worst races that we've seen in a long time, probably, uh, you know, since 2008 Brickyard, uh, playoff context wise, probably, you know, as far as cautions go, probably, uh, on a oval track, probably one of the worst ones since, um, 2005 fall Charlotte race. Um, that one had like 20 cautions or something in the same. Wasn't that the levigating? Year. Wasn't that after yep. they levigated smoke, the track? Smoke spun out leading, I think. If yeah, I remember. While, yeah, and yeah. he was leading the points too. And yeah. he was leading the points and then he limped out of there with the 25th. But, um, 
Yeah, that was uh, um, kind of rem- this race kind of reminded me of that uh, race there. But yeah, this this race was really bad. But yeah, it's um, you know, you got two ends happy end within the racing side. But hey, you know, I'm not gonna let the racing side affect the mood or anything like that. Let you know, continue riding the high of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars' incredible start to uh, 2022 here. Yeah, and Josh will be able to talk more about that here as we go on um in the um in the football segment um and then also you know we'll get into what was one of the stupidest races i think i've ever seen in my life i mean i was in and out of that deal uh we're gonna go and dive into it for sure uh texas motor speedway came through yet again proving once again they're the worst racetrack uh worst permanent uh racetrack in this country um it was absolutely terrible this race this whole weekend both races were horrible um Tyler Reddick ends up getting a victory he gets knocked out last week out of the playoffs after a rough first round and getting announced that he's going to lose his ride essentially being a lame duck full on lame duck situation at RCR he basically goes and flips off Richard Childress and wins the next week. Also getting back the victory that he should have had at Texas in his rookie year um, that Austin Dillon stole from him. Uh, Noah Gregson goes and wins a fourth in a row. Uh, essentially, the way things are going, he's gonna he's a favorite now to win this championship. He has so many points, playoff points, and now he's locked himself in. Next two weeks are free rolling for him. Uh, preparing to get to Vegas home race and try to go and lock himself into the final four. You know, he doesn't have to worry about road courses. He doesn't, doesn't have to worry about Talladega though. He can run all right on super speedway. So it's a good time for Noah Gregson and his um, great fan base. Um, after a fourth consecutive victory, uh, go back here. Got so many pages going on here. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson announced his full-time retirement from motorsport uh, today. And uh, we'll kind of see or talk about what he may do. There's different speculation. There's more thing, things that are, might be a little more obvious than others that he would do. Uh, I think Lamar is definitely on on the cards for him. And uh, Jeffy and uh, Mike Rockenfeller in the Garage 56 car. But um, and I and I also I guess will when it comes to taking a next gen car. I guess we're going to see what happens when you put one of the greatest minds that's ever crew chiefed a car in Chad Knauss running uh, the build for this car, how they remake it and how they lighten it and do all these other things to go and make it a safer car and a faster car. And then maybe they'll use that as a as a blueprint uh, for improvements. But that's really wishing, I guess, to, to use one of the greatest minds in the history of the sport to fix a really effed up car with shitty parts and shitty tires. Uh, the grip strip, uh, podcast roundup, the GSP roundup. We'll get into Motegi, um, Moto GP, Moto two this past weekend, Jack Miller went one going away. Uh, Peko Bagnaya crashes on the final lap, loses out on a few points. Then, uh, Moto two, Moto, Moto two, couple Americans scored points there. One of them will be coming back to the United States to race. So something to look at there. NHRA saw uh, two guys that won at the U.S. Nationals, two really close friends in Antron Brown and uh, 
Ron Caps, two of my favorite drivers, uh, win yet again. So they're gaining momentum. Aaron Stanfield also won in Pro Stock World Superbikes at Barcelona. Uh, saw uh, Alvaro Bautista on the Ducati take all three races and put uh, give himself a really good shot uh, to win uh, an elusive World Superbike Championship. Uh, think it because I don't think he's ever won one, but whatever. I'll I'll look it up later. Extreme Copper Expri was won by the X44 team, also known as Lewis Hamilton's team. They benefited in part from Rossberg's team, which has dominated this category since it's come along, um, not being able to make the final. Uh, the Ganassi team uh, with Sexy Sarah Price was able to get back in to the final after getting eliminated um, in the heats. So they were able to race, but they didn't get as good of a finish as they wanted. But they're still somewhat alive in the points with one round to go in their championship. We'll talk about Petit Le Mans. It's the last race of the 2022 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. There are multiple uh, championship uh, implications there, including in the DPI category. So we'll get into that, talk about who's in for that race. Rally New Zealand is uh, this coming weekend, so uh, we'll talk about that. Cali Rovampera uh, getting closer to a first World Rally Championship. Uh, we will also see Sebastian Ogier, I think, this weekend at Rally New Zealand. W Series comes back for the first time in a while. They'll be racing at Singapore. Um, we'll get into football, as you said, Josh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we'll get to dig deeper into that. I'll go off on Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, and just how it, how bad it is to be a 49er fan on a week-to-week basis and probably why I'm getting fat and my liver is getting worse um, after one of the most pathetic games I've ever seen in my life that they should have never lost, but oh well. Um, we'll get into fantasy as well. Made a trade earlier today, so we'll talk about that. We'll also get into what we're looking at for next week with our specific matchups. The Niners will be playing next week uh, during this show, if we do it on Monday. Uh, because they'll be on Monday Night Football hosting the L.A. Uh, Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, um, at Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. Then um, we'll get into previewing Grand Prix of Singapore for Formula One. Max Verstappen getting closer to that first legitimate world championship. But what will we see behind him? Or maybe he'll be behind somebody. Yeah, maybe you can get really bold um, and hope for a miracle. A NASCAR Cup and Xfinity will be at Talladega, and that uh, we'll preview that. We'll make picks, and Talladega Super Speedway means the Tate Fogelman algorithm comes back out of hibernation. Uh, Josh oh, yeah. is r- ready to go for that. He's been working on it. It's been in. Um, it's been hidden. Uh, we've been able to wake up Tate Fogelman's the the Tate Fogelman algorithm and we'll have that ready for you later on in this episode before uh, Josh's sim segment and show close. But let's start with the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. The name of the race is as long as the race was. Uh it was one of the I think it was probably the longest race since a 600 uh, that we've had in many, many years, four hours, 21 minutes, 
Uh, I don't know if that includes the time that they had down because of the lightning and the rain, but uh, Tyler Reddick takes the victory after getting knocked out of the playoffs, led the last, uh, what is it, 23 laps of the race, and basically from lap 281 to the end, he led all but one lap. So Tyler Reddick showing that, yeah, he didn't have pace in the stages he didn't get he wasn't up front early he did have pace in qualifying but Tyler Reddick in a lame duck situation wins his first oval race in the cup series and um, beats Joey Logano who's still in the playoffs Justin Haley started 31st and uh, finished third Ryan Blaney fourth Uh, he had uh, his crew chief Jonathan Hassler and company there but in after not making it and getting that victory, they're all going to take uh, four weeks off uh, because of the loose tire from last weekend's race at Bristol. Chase Briscoe from 30th to 5th with quite possibly the worst car that was in the racetrack for a competitive team. Uh, the car was absolute dog crap. I think my Kia Optima was faster than his car, um, but he finished 5th. So I, I, I have to look it up, but I, I believe that's. His first top five uh, since the 600. I kind of feel like that's the that's his first top five since the 600, but I'll check it in a minute. Um, Eric Jones, sixth. William Byron, seventh. He had a good car, led five times for 42 laps. Logano led six times for 15 laps. Um, there were a lot of leaders. Uh, there was 36 lead changes amongst 19 drivers. That sounds amazing. But it wasn't as amazing as you'd think. I mean, you had 30, 25 cars on the lead lap. Uh, and I mean, only of the cars, there's only seven cars that fell out of the race, which is insane to me. Um, was it Byron Keselowski qualifies on pole? Kyle Larson won the stage. Blaney won stage two. Uh, Larson won stage one. Um, Denny Hamlin won or finished second in stage one, had issues with William Byron. Um, William Byron can be added to the list of all the people that um, Denny Ham- Hamlin owes one and never will. McDowell finished 11th, was leading when it was raining. They didn't call the race, of course, so he didn't get it, but he finished 11th, decent car. The Trackhouse team had a good day, uh, 12th and 13th, solidified themselves points-wise. Uh, Corey LaJoy getting a top 15 finish. Austin Sindrick finishes 15th yet again. He actually got stage points. He didn't get any stage points in round one. They emphasized that whole deal. Um, Bubba Wallace had issues with his car all day. Finished last car in a lead lap in 25th. Alex Bowman hit the wall, but was still running. Finished 29th. Chase Elliott had hit the wall with tire issues, I think, while leading. Finished 32nd, and Christopher Bell had multiple issues with his uh, Toyota and uh, finished 34th. Kyle Busch was running 4th in the race and crashed and um, finished at last. There there was 16 cautions for 91 laps. There were numerous tire issues in this race. Yet again, uh, you have, you have um, the whole thing with Greg Stucker sitting there saying, oh, there are no excuses 
he said it, he had a media, they had a media thing and he said there was no excuses and then literally went off for another minute making about 20 different excuses that none of them involved Goodyear and the tire that they bring to the racetrack. Um, there was Kyle Larson quoted earlier in the day, earlier in the weekend saying they asked him, what do you want to, what should they do with with Texas Motor Speedway, he said they should just go and demolish it and start over again. And I'm like, wow, I actually, or essentially, I mean, paraphrasing yeah, what he Blunt said. Larson is back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that you know, I mean, he went hard R and um, all that, but that one is going back to, you know, kind of in between. You know, he's he, he had a little bit of that when he was driving for Ganassi. He, he never really showed that much, but he, um, there, that was the best quote of the weekend. Other than, you know, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin going off on their soapboxes about how bad this car is and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's it. Texas Motor Speedway is the worst track. I, I if you've listened to this show, um, if you've listened to me on other entities um, in the podcast realm, uh, I have pontificated many times about how much I dislike this racetrack. Uh, it's literally one of the worst racetracks on planet earth. Um, if I mean, it's essentially in a third world. I mean, the way that that state is run and the way that state does things, you could make the same. And it's like being in like Saudi. So it's like, it's kind of like the Saudi racetrack because of how shitty it is. That's a hot take. (laughs) But, um, but, uh, the fact is that track, They've they've reconfigured it. They had the banking and the transitions going backwards and goosage when they originally made it. So the transitions went the wrong way. Um, initially, they had bad drainage issues. The the I mean, then they redid it. They had like crazy angles of people hit the fence. You had the untimely passing of Tony Roper. Um, they left that or they left that alone or you know left the track alone for a while. Then I think they paved, repaved it or something. A couple of times they had repaves and they've had issues with the corners and stuff because it's a shithole. Then, um, you know, before Goosage decided to quit, um, he had the bright idea and SMI with their genius. Since they do such a great job reconfiguring racetracks, let's go and make two different types of corners. So then they did that to there in Kentucky, and now Kentucky is going to is growing weeds. Um, and this is another place that should grow weed or weeds or be made into a into a big pond so that they could have the Bassmaster Classic, or they should just go and make it a condominium complex. I don't care, whatever. It's just shouldn't be a racetrack anymore. And then on top of it, then they added, they decided, oh, we're going to start putting grip strip um, on there, DJ1, um, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's grip strip for us because it's our show, uh, but which has essentially ruined the IndyCar racing product they have there. They can't even run the, they can't, they don't have, a, they can't run two grooves because of them putting the spray on the track. The NASCAR product, is an abomination too. They can blame it on the next gen car. It's become the flavor of the month because the next gen car is not safe, which is obvious. Next gen car and the tires don't really work. The downforce where they're getting the downforce from probably is part of the reason why 
and the fact that they're stuck in certain ride heights. I mean, you could read Rodney Childers. It's it's funny how Rodney Childers and and Kevin Harvick have basically become the conscience of of the sport, you know, on their Twitter handles all of a sudden, because now they're eliminated. So they're like, ah, fuck it. Um, we have to follow through in Tony's, uh, in, um, in line with Tony Stewart. And basically, you know, somebody has to be the truth tellers in this sport with how bad it is. Um, they talk about how little adjustments could actually help the car make it better in general, but they won't make those changes. Um, that race was a joke. And for a playoff race to have, a caution essentially every 20 laps, 15 to 25 laps, 30 laps is insane. Um, Cody Ware had an enormous wreck, um, go, swapped ends in three and four, slammed the wall head on. Um, well, he had that angle. I mean, the angle, like if you understand the angle that he had, that's an angle that in the past has been um, very, um, very um, serious. Uh, he then basically beelined um, into the pit road. It's similar to Jimmy Johnson's wreck at the 2005 Brickyard 400, um, except he didn't have that swap ends part. He just blew a tire, slammed the wall, rolled off the wall, and went into pit road, and the car caught on fire and knocked him out unconscious uh, for a second. Um, And that's essentially where Cody Ware was, where he couldn't even get out of the race car. Um, It was bad. And, um, nobody, they, they didn't give up any real, um, they didn't really make any, uh, announcement on injuries or anything if he had any, uh, but it didn't look good. Similar to a tongue of Iowa yesterday when he was basically wobbly and couldn't walk and was having to be held up by his offensive line. He goes into the blue tent and like two minutes later, he's back out on the field. It was similar to Debo Samuel going in the blue tent for like 20 seconds with the difference is he wasn't knocked out on knocked out wobbly. Um, I think he had some sort of leg or ankle situation. So with all of that, Josh credit to Tyler Reddick, um, considering his circumstance and situation, it proves how good of a driver he is. And it's a shame that Richard Childress and his own ego and um, his own arrogance has wasted, is going to waste a talent like that. And I think Tyler Reddick already saw the writing on the wall. And he's like, I'm never going to go anywhere here. And Danny Hamlin pursued him. Toyota pursued him. They're like, we want somebody like him in one of our race cars. You look at the way Toyota's now kind of angling themselves with the likelihood of um, Keebler Gibbs being in the 18 car and Christopher Bell, longtime Toyota driver. Um, they need to have young um, talent. And he is a he is a guy that they can build around, and um, it's a loss for Chevrolet. That's for sure. He was a loss for Ford too because he drove for Ford prior to that with Brad Keselowski Racing. So um, credit to Tyler Reddick in a clusterfuck race, he made the most out of that deal for sure. Yeah, I mean, he made the most out of it. I mean, think about it. This race is basically Russian roulette in a way. Um, you know, it's just whoever pulled the trigger and. There's no bullet in the chamber, you know, you survived and then, you know, you pull, you know, you die when, you know, you blow the tire. So that's, that's what it was is basically whoever had the lead. It was a game of Russian roulette there. Um, you know, it was really sad to see, um, just, um, you know, the leader just popping a tire out of nowhere. Um, and really it's, I feel like it's more of a, you know, combination of factors and things, you know, you have the, tire design from nascar that they mandated this year with the new car 
um, where you know low profile tire, uh, no inner liner, um, and then you know you have the, the tires themselves from Goodyear's. You know, never had a good track record. Um, you know, since the last twenty years or whatever. Um, you know, and then you have the the teams. You know, not not that they're wrong or anything, but they have. Uh, you know, they're trying to push the limits and stuff. And, you know, some teams went, maybe went more aggressive than others, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors, but I, I think the team's factor, I guess the setups is probably the uh, least contributing factor to that. Um, so, you know, out of the three, that one has the least impact on the tires and, and things uh, compared to the car design and, or the, you know, the wheel design and then the actual rubber compound that makes up the tires. So, just uh yeah the goodyear hasn't been able to do that and um you know the nascar with you know their design um they just they i i don't know i guess like why did why did we have to go to uh low profile tires here you know for for this like what was the thinking behind going to uh this type of wheel and tire and you know they talked about it you know with i guess in previous you know other podcasts you know Junior talked about like why they go to a wider tire, why they go to you know larger con- uh, contact patch and everything, and that's another factor into it. But yeah, the tire design, I guess they uh, you know have more questions about it than answers right now. And yeah, there's just not a not a good look when you know half half the field crashes and leaders you know crash after thirty laps. Like you know, there's no guarantee whether you're going to make it or not. So. Um, yeah, the, just a lot, lot of um, you know investigation that needs to go around. And then you know it, earlier today, Justin Marks on Monday, Justin Marks went and tweeted out said that uh, he said you know this new car is the most radical change in the history of NASCAR. Perfecting its performance and safety is going to be a process. Uh, we cannot assume perfection right out of the gates. This comes from an owner whose parts expenses in order of magnitude more than budgeted and that's yeah that's kind of true yeah there's always going to be kinks and stuff um it's not perfect and yeah this is the most radical design because you know we've basically thrown out the stock car formula um tried and true since you know 19 well 1948 although the modern nascar designs uh derivative of the 1965 uh ford galaxy um from from that era and you know the solid rear axle and uh, all that stuff and you know now we're basically going to uh not only a road car but um now it's more of you know towards the open wheel side um you know you have tow links now and you know i hadn't heard of a tow link in a race other than indycar so and any other uh races like that so you know road racing style car and you're basically putting it in on, on an oval and um you know, when you hit the wall in an oval with a, you know, you have tow links and stuff, then obviously those get broken and you have to come to the pits and uh, repair that. Um, although maybe that's, maybe it's survivable. I mean, some of the impacts we've seen have been somewhat survivable uh, and everything. But then um, from that tweet, Justin Marks said, uh, Chase Elliott replied, with the experience and knowledge gained since 1948 and technology we have in 2022, should never take steps backwards in any area, in any area with uh, a new design. And yeah, he's. I think that's correct. Also, uh, you know, there's there's things that can change, and like you know, maybe you go backwards in some some areas, but like you know, the fundamental stuff. You know, it's like I don't know. I guess I think of it also like an airplane, right? You have an airplane design. Um, there are certain things you can't like just throw out the window and be like, oh yeah, we're gonna go to this new technology. Um, 
and and everything because obviously um it's not going to work and um there's going to be differences and and things that with the new design for uh thing that you know we don't know actually worked or not um you know it's turning out that it's not been been as great as what what they thought it was and so um clearly clearly there's um it's almost like they didn't do enough testing on this product nascar's next gen car um and uh before rolling it out and i mean it's like yeah they had you know two to three years of i guess development on this at the very least and somehow you know we're you know gone through all these issues the fires the crash you know stiffness of the chassis um you know and then uh the tire problems throughout the year uh yeah it's been been an issue it's been plagued and everything and um yeah it's a lot a lot of uh a lot of things that it looks like they've missed and you know it's almost like we gotta go back to the drawing board here in the off season and um come up with some kind of patch or some kind of rework um and everything and you know i think in the you know positive sense like at least you know texas withstanding you know the other mile and a half tracks you know like i said before seem to be better in terms of racing but then you know everywhere else it's not good and then you also have these issues so it's almost like uh, a net negative in a way uh with you know what the net next gen car is brought to the table so um yeah just just a lot of you know issues that this car that shouldn't shouldn't be a part you know shouldn't be in the series right now and um you know should have been worked out way beforehand way before this season um and everything so uh we'll see we'll see what nascar does but you know the the sad state of it is is that you know we have to deal with these issues uh for the rest of the regular season and everything so yeah this this uh thing was just uh bad overall um there but i mean that's the main topic in of that you know whole race texas itself always being bad and shouldn't have shouldn't have repaved it or redesigned it you know it was fine in 2016 the way it was um and everything i think people got used to it and, and stuff and they went and threw it out threw that out the window and brought a radical redesign with two different turns two different banked uh turns and now you know it's clear that it's bad clear that they missed it with kentucky as well so uh yeah that that idea has gone out the window so we'll see what they do with this next gen car uh throughout the rest of the you know off season you know after november and then also you know what what do they decide to do in the future with uh texas motor speedway yeah i mean it's all good points there i mean but and give credit to Reddick for being able to last. It was yeah. an endurance test and uh, last man standing. He was the one that avoided uh, all the pitfalls and banana peels as uh, Kyle Bush called the grip strip because it wasn't activated. And, and I mean, Dale, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Dale Jr. talked about taking his wife out and uh, in the whatever ride along deal. And he, uh, joke that he went and hooked the corner too hard got in the grip strip and it wasn't activated and um you know amy went from having a good time to want going and giving a stiff arm right almost right to dale's head saying she didn't want to have anything else to do with this ride anymore so it tells you um when a wife doesn't like the grip strip when it's not activated properly then you're pretty sure that uh, most of these drivers aren't going to be a fan of it either um, unless it's acting properly. So, uh, I really don't know what it, it was. It, it's just sad, really. Um, I mean, it's one of the crappiest racetracks on earth. I've, I've said it over and over again. It's, it's a terrible track. It's a terrible situation. You're opening your, your 
opening and round of the playoffs with this race. Um, I mean, Chase Elliott for the second round in a row has had issues. Christopher Bell, after having after having the points lead going into this round, um, will uh, be at a deficit. I mean, it's it's Bubba Wallace is now at a at a disadvantage. Probably needs to repeat uh, this his win at Talladega this coming weekend to um, have a chance in the owner's standings. Um, I mean, there are so many things wrong this weekend, not being able to, not enough practice, not enough time on the track. It's probably something where they might have to start really looking, not just about how they have to re-engineer the car to make it safer and make it more um, viable and make it work in different racetracks and stuff, but they also have to look at how they run their weekends so that these this car can actually you can actually see what this car has going on and what it needs so that it can be changed or can be fixed. I mean, as it stands right now, even with the rough day, um, I mean, uh, the 45 is only, what is it? Well, he's actually 17 points out of the cutoff right now. So, uh, so that's a problem for 20, the 23, um, the 45 car for Bubba Wallace. Uh, the, um, Driver points after this race. Of course, Tyler Reddick uh, gets his third win of the year. Uh, likely, as of now, I mean, he's a good shot uh, to finish uh, fifth in points once they zero out all the points, I guess. I, I mean, they really should zero out all the points, put it back to where they're at the regular points number. I find that to be dumb. Uh, I said that last week, but it's still the truth. Um, Reddick gets his third win of the year. Uh Logano takes the points lead going into Talladega by 12 over Chastain, who won earlier this year. Uh, Byron is a point, is 12 points behind, then Byron's 13 behind. So Kyle Larson, 14, Ryan Blaney, 15. So four drivers separated by three points. Uh, Those guys are in a little better situation. Then you have a group, Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez, and William Clyde Elliott II, who are 22, 26, and 26 points behind. Elliott is the uh, cutoff right now by four over Chase Briscoe, who is ninth, 30 points behind from the lead. Austin Sindrick is 37 points behind and 10th. Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman have some issues. They're going to have to put together some good runs here the next two weeks for points to become, to play, to play a role. Uh, either way that uh, the unfortunate instant incidents for both of them at Texas early in the day, um, have put them at a deficit. And in the case of Christopher Bell kind of shows the flaws in the system where he had done, he had done such a great job in the first round of the playoffs and basically got thrown out, um, kind of, you know, they, I, it goes back to like when they had the 10 race system and I think it was a better system. Granted, Jimmy Johnson won five consecutive championships in said system, but you know, that, that shows how they analyze and what they did to make things work. Uh, going into the Xfinity race at, uh, Texas, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot there, uh, to discuss, uh, Noah Gregson, wins his fourth consecutive race, joins Sam Ard, uh, legendary status there for Gregson, 
It looks like, yeah, they had an issue there in putting in John Hunter Nemechek. He had led 60 laps. He was the second highest lap leader. There was really uh, four guys. It was Gagson led 85 laps. Allmendinger led 34. Nemechek led 60. And Daniel Hemrick led 12. So four guys led double-digit laps. They had uh, 14 lead changers among seven drivers. Nine cautions for 52 laps. So a total of 25 cautions for nearly 100 and near, yeah, like near 150 laps uh, this weekend amongst the two races. Noah Gregson locks himself into the round of eight. Um, yeah, because it's, yeah, because this is the last race of the round, of tw- or second race of the round of 12. Um, Austin Hill finishes second. Ty Gibbs, or no, is this the, when this, or is this a playoff opener? That's right. It's a playoff opener. Yes, playoff opener here. Yeah. So, so yeah, he locks himself into the round of eight. Um, Austin Hill, Ty Gibbs, AJ Allmendinger, Riley Herbst, Josh Berry, the top six, Sheldon Creed, the first non-playoff driver in seventh, Sam Mayer, Ryan Sieg, uh, and CJ McLaughlin, Christ almighty. Um, eight cars finished on the lead lap. Uh, Brian Sieg, first car, one lap down. His teammate, CJ McLaughlin, one of the worst people ever to drive a race Ooh. car. Somehow or, another, <laughs> somehow or another, he spun out early, as he always does, and somehow or another came back and finished 10th. Uh, Nick Sanchez finished 11th in the 48, big machine. Chevy and um, Bailey Curry, 12th. Stefan Parsons, 13th. Tommy Joe Martins, 14th. Jeb Burton, 15th. So it kind of tells you what the hell happened. Uh, Bruckshot Jones qualified on pole, wrecked. I mean, there were only 21 cars running at the end of the race. So nearly, uh, I mean, essentially half the field was out. Um, Jeffrey Earnhardt wrecked 17 laps into the race. You had other people had like engine and other issues. Emmerich was involved. There was a big, there was a couple of big wrecks after the end of stage two. Uh, one that involved John Hunter, Justin Allgaier, Hemrick, Brennan Poole, and Mason Massey and Bruckshot Jones, Josh Williams. So, and then there's, I think that, and then there was another wreck. I thought there was two wrecks back to back. The the one that had Landon Castle in it. So he's knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, before I get into the points, I mean, I guess you got to take your hat off to Gregson. He's he's put his head down and he's actually really serious here and really wants to prove that he isn't just a you know a spaz that's uh, into you know just being a, a a weirdo dude on on social media. He actually wants to be a champion here in the sport. And Petty GMS is very happy with their signing and for sure. And their hopes for what he can do in a cup car. But before that, it looks like he's going to be able to um, possibly go and win an Xfinity championship. Yeah, definitely. He's going to go out and win an Xfinity championship here, possibly. I mean, he's you know locked in to the next round, so he doesn't have to worry about Talladega. And, and Talladega is a, still a track that can make or break your your playoffs, uh, depending on you know what happens and everything. And um, the fact that he actually gets to free roll at Talladega uh, is really good for him because now we can go into Talladega and kind of, you know, race without, you know, needing to, you know, worry about um, being conservative at all. You can go push as far as he wants to, um, you know, throughout the race and try to be aggressive and be up in the lead, uh, you know, for the most part. So 
you know, we'll see what, what happens at Talladega, but, um, you know, he can go out there and, you know, take no risk and win Talladega for free. And then, um, you know, continue to add that point total, uh, you know, for the next, the next round, as far as uh, playoff points go. So, um, Andy, you know, he's somewhat decent, pretty good at, uh, restrictor plate tracks too. So, um, that's another element to it and which we'll get into later, but Gregson continuing to, uh, get wins here in the Xfinity series, you know, we'll see, we'll see if he can go for uh, five in a row, which, you know, it's been a long time. I don't know if we've ever seen driver win five in a row. I think four in a row is the most that any driver. In this series, won. yeah, it's four yeah. in a row with him. And Sam. So yeah, in this series, but I think in all of NASCAR, I don't know if we've ever seen five in a row, um, by anybody. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. I'm not sure yeah. what the Harry longest streak. Harry, Harry Gann had the four in a row but in the month of September. It's been tied, but never been, um, never been broken, I guess. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, Noah Gregson there. Uh, good run for Austin Hill. Um, Riley Herbst, uh, top five, but he's on the bubble uh, to make it into the playoffs. He's uh, one point outside uh, from Ryan Sieg. Uh, in eighth place, so very tight uh, there. Uh, you know, the big one, you know, we had the big one with Brandon Jones, Justin Nagar, uh, Dale Hemrick all caught up in that accident. So um, tough, tough deal for Justin Nagar, but it shows the advantage that you can have, um, you know, by uh, having playoff points and, um, you know, winning races throughout the regular season. So, uh, you know, on the other hand, Dale Hemrick's going to have to go into Talladega and try to win the race, which maybe that'll be the game plan for college racing to get the former reigning champion into the next round of the playoffs by, you know, hopefully getting him to win the race. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but, um, yeah, this race, maybe not as controversial as the cup race, but you know, it's a typical Texas race that we've seen before, uh, in the past of the Xfinity series. Yeah. Typical boring bullshit. And, uh, it's a track that really just needs to be closed or, you know, blown up. And redone again. Um, and I was just looking through the statistics. Is just going back on the Cup side. It is the first for for Chase Briscoe. It's his first top five since the Coca Cola Six Hundred that he threw away. Um, so that is pretty crazy. I mean, he had a decent first round, couple of top fifteen finishes, uh, good qualifying round. Oh, man, he was going for it there. And watching Aaron Judge trying to get number sixty one. Um, Driver points entering Talladega. Of course, Gagson uh, go has locked in to the next round, so he's got no problem. Uh, he's got a what is it six? Yet thirties and three twenty three. Um, eighteen an eighteen point lead. Yeah, eighteen point lead on Ty Gibbs in regards to playoff points. So. Um, something to look at for stages and all. He's won way double the amount of stages of anybody else, really. Um, or actually, Allgaier is the only one close. He's got five. Eight, five he's five behind. So um, the playoff point battle is amongst those four: the the nine, the sixteen, the fifty-four, and the seven. Um, Allgaier had his issues, but he's still solidly in, fifty-three points behind of the leader. The cutoff is pretty close. Sam Mayer is tied with Ryan Sieg at 72 points back. And then um, Riley Herbst is a point behind that. And then you have Daniel Hemrick 
who is in 10th, uh, eight points back. Brandon Jones is 13 back. Jeremy Clements had issues with the battery and is right back where he was at Daytona, essentially needing a miracle to um, make make it into the next round of the playoffs. So you know what he's going to be doing. He's probably going to hold back, run in the back, try to see what the carnage is and maybe um, come through. Like most of these races have become, the owner points, nine car, also is in the lead, the 16, 54, 21, um, all mirrors, 8, 7, 1, the 98 is 8th, the 18 car is 9th, um, the 11, 19, and 51 are the um, 12. In this playoff, another strikeout for Aaron Judge. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so the only one that is in the, the owner points playoffs in the uh, Xfinity series that's different is the 18 Joe Gibbs car. He's That car is eight points out of the cutoff position, which is held by the 98 car. So we will see what happens with that. Uh, before we move forward into the roundup, Got to talk about Jimmy Johnson announcing his full-time retirement. Of course, 84 wins, seven championships in the Cup Series. Decided to kind of pivot um, in post-NASCAR retirement and run sports cars and Indy cars. He had a dream of running Indianapolis because his hero is Rick Mears. And um, he got to do that this year. He ran the full Indy car calendar. Ran well at Iowa Speedway. Reminded me of Jimmy Johnson of old. Um, you know, and I mean, Josh, you would pick him a lot, uh, in, as a wild card guy. And, um, he showed his, he showed his medal on the ovals. And honestly, I think with time, maybe youth, Jimmy would have been just fine. But when you're, when you're as great as he is and you're nearly, uh, you know, your, your career is basically made and uh, how, how many risks are you really willing to take to um and that's one aspect of it but i also think just to be able to compete in that series how tough that series is um and to be coming in new at age 46 it really asks a lot of him but he did all right at times he also ran the sports car the cadillac dpi um he'll be i think he'll be in it this weekend at uh, petit lamas so i mean it's something that um, he's been flirting with victories in these major sports car events, and now he's going to get to go to one of the races, bucket list races he's always wanted to go to more than likely, uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And, um, I mean, I also think that um, he'll be around for at least a couple of races next year in IndyCar. And um, NASCAR, he might be making uh, an appearance at a cup race or some other NASCAR event here um, next year because um, he'll be a little bit more readily available. So that'll we're not going to see Jimmy Johnson fully quit, but um, we're not going to see him as much as we have for, I guess, what, the last 20 years, uh, 25 years, I guess, in, in the sense of his career being that he came from off-road racing in 97 was when I think he moved over to stock cars and ASA and from then on, he's been in the limelight, basically. And um, and uh, he's uh, taking it, uh, he's slowing down a little bit. Might be taking his family abroad as well, which might be something to see what happens with that. Um, might do WEC. It seems like that might be something that might be in the cards for him. Um, LMP2 might not be such a bad idea in that sense. Uh, I 
they, I mean, I guess he would be considered a platinum at the moment, but if he waits a few years, he'd be a silver. So now if they want to emphasize a super silver, I would think Jimmy Johnson would be a super silver at that point. But, um, yeah, one of the greatest drivers in, in my lifetime that I've ever seen his dominance in NASCAR, uh, with, with Chad Knauss, undeniable, one of the greatest combinations in the history of the sport, changed the game, changed the way a lot of people have to do things. Um, once the sport started making certain changes with the cars and other th- other aspects, and they kind of got away from both him and Chad, it we didn't see the same kind of productivity. Uh, but he's still a legend. He's still one of the greatest ever. He's still one of three people that's won seven Cup championships. So, and he's widely respected across multiple formulas of racing. So that that I think speaks a lot to how great Jimmy Johnson really is. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's always been a great driver, and um, I mean, this retirement announcement shouldn't really come as a surprise. I mean, it's basically a second retirement because he's already retired full-time from NASCAR racing, and now he's basically retiring full-time from IndyCar racing, and um, not a surprise there. Um, thought maybe he would try to go for another full-time year, but, you know, maybe he decided um, with you know, the way he's ran on the road courses, you know, it's good experience and everything. And he definitely, um, had a good challenge with it that, um, you know, it's not, maybe it's not worth, uh, doing full time and, you know, we just focus on if you want to still continue to compete in any car, but remain competitive, you know, it's better maybe to consolidate and go to, you know, possibly an oval only schedule. And, you know, hopefully, um, he decides to go and run, uh, the Indianapolis 500 again, uh, next year, um, you know, he ran Indy earlier this year and, um, you know, had good speed in, uh, the month of May, I felt like, but then of course, you know, went and crashed, uh, towards the end and struggled with the handling all day in that race. So, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully Jimmy Johnson goes out and decides to do the Indianapolis 500. Um, there was talk, I guess he, they mentioned the possibility of doing the double so doing the indianapolis 500 then going to flying to charlotte and doing the coca-cola 600 so there's that possibility um and everything and then you know of course running le mans uh again or for the first time so we'll see if that happens um curious to see if he, you know he decides to go out and run in the rolex 24 once again um probably would be a good practice uh for you know for the le mans 24 hour so uh we'll see how to no reason why not to, you know, he's still going to be backed by Ally and, um, you know, Chad Knauss is going to be there, I think, because I think he's part of that, uh, that effort, uh, there with Action Express with Hendrick. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, if he ends up running the Rolex, uh, or not, and then later on in the year, what else he decides to do. But, um, yeah, based on his performance in IndyCar on the road courses, um, you know, uh, I think originally he probably would have just done the road courses, but then, you know, with uh, the persuasion of others, went and did add the ovals to his schedule. So um, got a taste of everything in IndyCar, and, you know, now um, likely to see him a couple more times in ovals and everything. So, um, you know, great, great career overall. Uh, one, you know, obviously one of the greatest of all time to ever do it. So um, no complaints on, you know, seeing him retire like this and not not a surprise to see uh say he's gonna retire full-time from indycar racing so we'll see 
you know, how long he lasts competitively. You know, he's obviously going to be jumping around and trying different things, but, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. If that, you know, I'm sure maybe only a couple of years uh, or a year or two, and then maybe he decides to, uh, you know, completely quit from racing and, you know, withdraw and, um, you know, live a, you know, life full-time wherever, uh, you know, doing something else in Colorado or just, you know, going around the world or something like that. So um, a lot of opportunity, though, uh, this next year for him to, you know, go out and try different events, though. Yeah, it's something now we with the Carvana, with Ally, with a lot of, he has a great group of sponsors. So it's not a, money is definitely not an issue in regards to sponsorship with Jimmy. Also with the amount of money he's made, honestly, I think he could fund a ride if he really had to. Um, the Chad Canals connection, of course, with the Garage 56, I think seems very likely. Um, Jeff Gordon coming out of retirement, in a sense, to drive a Porsche Carrera Cup race, having Ray Everingham be his crew chief. So they're just trying to bring it all back together with Hendrick. Um, you know, Rockenfeller driving a Hendrick car at Watkins Glen. You know, I think the, all those pieces kind of put it all that all three of them will be racing. I assume that they would, amongst the changes they put to that car, would be a door. Um, that if anything, I don't think they want to be to save time in regards to driver changes. I would assume they'd put a door in that car and um, make some other adjustments to that. I don't know about structural integrity. I get my because they do have that in the GT3 category with the doors, and also I guess they could do that. Um, I would also hope he runs Indy and uh, um, maybe Corvette. Who knows? Maybe Corvette brings a extra car out there for the Rolex and lets Jimmy and, and Jeff and Rocky go out there and play around in like the GT, um, arm or whatever. Cause Jeffy, I think is over 50, but theoretically he could be considered a silver, um, at that point. So that would be something to see. They could maybe call Scott Pruitt out of retirement, but he's, he has a connection with Lexus. So can't say hi to my family at home in that sense. Uh, we'll, um, move forward to the GSP roundup. Go with uh, MotoGP first. Uh, Jack Miller, as I mentioned, dominated the race for Ducati. First win in a while for him. Uh, he's moving on, of course, to be teammates with the guy that finished second, Brad Binder on the Red Bull KTM. Jorge Martin, Primac Ducati, finished third. Mark Marquez qualified on pole but had a bad start. Finished fourth. Miguel Oliveira, fifth. Luca Marini, sixth. Maverick Vinales, seventh. Points leader and defending world champion Fabio Quattararo, eighth. Enea Bestaini, ninth. And Marco Bisecchi, tenth. Johan Zarco had kind of a non-weekend of sorts, finished 11th. A couple other Yamahas actually scored points, and other Hondas scored points. It shows that people that were um, big guys had issues, like for Alex Rins, uh, who crashed out of the race, and then Paco Bagnaia, as I mentioned, crashed out on the last lap while running ahead of or running just behind, I think, uh, of Quattararo there. Standings going to Thailand this coming weekend for MotoGP. Uh, Bagnaya is behind by 18 points. Um, Alicia Spargaro is 25 points behind. Uh, Enea Bastaini is 49 points behind in fourth. Uh, Jack Miller is, um, is it, uh, 41, uh, 60 points. Yeah, 60 points out. 
um, in fifth. Binders in sixth, the further 11 points back from that. So uh, what is it? Four more rounds to go here in this championship. Quattararo is not out of the woods by any means. Uh, Speed's been an issue. Uh, Consistency with the bike, especially in qualifying, been an issue for Quattararo. But Bagnaya, if he doesn't win, he crashes. And that's really why he's he's still in the lead because Quattraro, if he he's only had one non-point score all year or two non-point scores the whole year versus Bagnaya, who has had um, one, two, four, four, five non-finishes and then um, one 15th place, which is one point. Um, when Quattraro finishes, he essentially finishes in the top 10. Uh, so that that probably plays a big part in the results there and why the standings are the way they are. In uh, Moto2, uh, wow, that's Moto2 team, Mark VDS racing at issues of fire. That's not good. Uh, uh, ain't good at all. And then um, in the race itself, the um, Ayagura gets a home victory over Augusto Fernandez, who's going to MotoGP for Gas Gas KTM. Um, Alonzo Lopez finished third, Jake Dixon fourth, Chantra fifth, and um, Cameron Bobier finished 11th, just out of Joe Roberts. Uh, I mentioned, and then Sean Dillon Kelly finished 19th. I mentioned Cameron Bobier because after two years in Moto2, he's going to come back to the Moto America championship and um it could be um on his old bike essentially going and replacing the outgoing champion two-time champion jake gagne who has um taken over from um who took over his ride essentially and has been able to win two consecutive titles he was able to beat former moto gp um rider and will be a rider this weekend for suzuki actually um danilo petrucci uh He's gonna. He beat him this year for the championship, and um, it was a hard-fought battle between those two riders. So that's uh, something. Jake Gagne might be going to World Superbikes, um, which would add another Yamaha to the uh, equation, which would be good. Another American on the on the grid, since um, Garrett Gerloff will be leaving the GRT Yamaha team to ride the, for BMW. Uh, so there'll be two Americans on the grid. That would be nice. Um, it'll also have uh, Remy Gardner uh, coming, taking over the ride that uh, Garrett Gerloff has had for the last few years at that Yamaha team. So something to see in regards to uh, World Superbikes as we go on in MotoGP, Moto2. In the points for Moto2, Augusto Fernandez is up by two points on Ayagura. And then there's a huge gap, um, 23 Three fifty-seven points on Aaron Kinnett in third. Celestino Vietti had a really good start to the year and then um, has dropped off the map essentially after he's only had three point scores. I mean, he had scored in every race the first, what is it? Or no, six of the first seven races he scored and um, eight of the first, seven of the first nine and then um, basically the bottom fell out for him the same time Augusto Fernandez took off um, along with Ayagura. So it's interesting Ayagura is not going to 
get the call up to MotoGP, but um, I guess he'll be a favorite for next year in Moto2. We'll get into the NHRA, uh, Betway NHRA, Carolina Nationals. Saw Antron Brown beat Justin Ashley in top fuel. Um, with a 367 with a two 335.73 miles an hour also got him on the tree he um ashley had a 367 with a one with a slower speed uh, but antron had two hundredths off the uh, line so that was a difference there and um going into the funny car class ron caps defeated alexis de joria we got her on the tree um, issues with the smoke in the tires. They're not really having full grip um, three ninety six with a seven two sixty seven point three two miles an hour um, beats to Joria. Uh, Ron caps also got John force in the semis um, Dejoria beat Matt Hagen in the um, second in the semis after getting a, a buy into this into the well he had a free run in the second round and smoked the tires uh pro stock saw uh aaron stanfield beat matt hartford great tree zero and 18 on the line 656 with a seven two hundred ten point two one miles an hour over the slower and losing 656 with a nine two hundred nine point eight two for matt hartford um, they, I didn't, it says pro stock motorcycle, pro stock motorcycle in there on a pro mod was though, um, for whatever reason, they don't have a final result. The standings heading into the next race in the calendar, trying to see what that one is. The next race will be at, um, will be this weekend at the Midwest nationals at worldwide technology raceway in Madison, Illinois. Good thing I checked that. Um, Justin Ashley leads the top fuel points by 43 over Antron Brown, 52 over Brittany Forrest. Mike Selene is 54 back. Uh, Steve Torrance is 105 points behind in fifth. Um, right now, there yeah, there's 12 cars in the in the playoff, but uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, it's the battle is amongst those five right now for the top field title in funny car. Robert Hyde is a 27 point lead on Ron caps 60 on Matt Hagen, 74 on John force 104 on Bob Tasca in pro stock. Eric Enders is a 64 point lead on Aaron Stanfield 97 on Troy Coughlin jr. Uh, Greg Anderson's 109 back and wow, they have Tracy Morgan on the Manning cast that, how are they able to even keep them under control? That's something. Um, Joey Gladstone uh, leading the Pro Stock Motorcycle points by 29 over Matt Smith, 42 over Steve Johnson. So there's seven riders under 100 points, eight uh, counting Jerry Savoie are just over 100 points out. So that's something to see at um, St. Louis this weekend. I have to go and add that here in a little bit. Um, yeah, that's at Lewis. So that's what we'll see. We'll talk about, uh, that next week on the GSP for them in, uh, regards to world super bikes this past weekend, they were at, um, at Catalonia, which saw, um, Alvaro Bautista win all three races, uh, 
this weekend in race one. Uh, Alvaro Bautista won by 8.6 seconds over Johnny Ray. Garrett Gerloff getting a first podium of the year. Michael Rubin Rinaldi fourth. Toprak, Toprak Raskat Lioku uh, finished fifth. Iker Lacuona, who qualified on pole for Honda, uh, Spanish rider, finished sixth. Trying to go and see over there who else, anybody else. I am Scott Redding, Michael Vandermark right there. In the Super Bowl race, Alvaro Bautista beat Ray and Lowe's, the Kawasaki teammates. Raskat Lioku was fourth. Michael Ruben Rinaldi was fifth. Uh, Garrett Gerloff finished tenth. Uh, and then in race two, Bautista over Ruben Rinaldi, Rasgad Lioku, Ray Bassani, your top five. Uh, and Garrett Gerloff crashed on lap 11 out of the race there. So unfortunate um, accident between Alex Lowe's and Scott Redding at the start of the in the first in the on the first lap. So bad deal for both of those guys. Next race for World Superbikes will be in Portugal at the Algarve. Uh, right now it's 659 points between Bautista and Raskad Lioku, uh, 59, and then you add another eight, so 67 to Johnny Ray for the battle for the world championship there. Uh, Gerloff is 11th in points, seven out of 10th with Javi Vieje, who is in 10th. Um, it might be a little bit harder for him to go and get back up there to where to the guy he's replacing Scott Redding on the or not Scott Redding I think he's replacing uh, I forget who he is replacing but he is going to BMW um, next year in uh, World Superbikes so that's something to see uh, Baz keeps fun over here Redding Rinaldi KTM lands World Superbike yeah. oh yeah that's what it is so Remy Gardner GRT Yamaha and then, and then Gerloff is going to replace Eugene Laverty. There you go. The next piece of uh, news is the Extreme E Copper X Prix um, in um, Chile this past uh, weekend, which was uh, pretty interesting. A lot of uh, issues, controversy, penalties took place. But the short version of it is um, after. The after the final, the X44 team of Sebastian Loeb and Cristina Gutierrez gets the victory over the um, Spanish duo of Leila Sanz and Carlos Sainz and Yuta Kleinschmidt and Nasser Alatia for the apt Cupra team. Uh, Yuta Kleinschmidt actually was out of the car and um, uh, had a sub because she had a issues in practice. Sarah Price and Kyle LaDuke for Hummer EV Chip Ganassi Racing finished fourth. And then Emma Gilmore and Tanner Faust for the McLaren team rounded out the five that made the final. Um, the Ganassi car made it in because the Nico Rosberg team, who was in the final, had issues and wasn't able to make it into the race. So what would have been basically an insurmountable gap uh is somewhat within reason uh the the Rosberg team has a 17 point lead on the on the Lewis Hamilton team and then it's 23 for 
23 for the Spanish Sands and Signs team. And um, what is it? 53. So it would be 30, 28 points to the Ganassi team, um, uh, Price and LeDuc. And those are your your four that I think are still eligible. So I'm not really sure how the, the points work. So it doesn't seem to clearly explain how the um, points work in um, in this series. So uh, spotlight, oh, there you go, table. Yeah, so that doesn't really do anything. I'm trying to understand how they have whatever points. Doesn't do that. What a great website. Uh, whatever. I guess we'll find out what happens the next race there. Uh, Katie Munnins and Timmy Hansen for the Andretti United team is only a point out of fifth. So that's something to look at for um for the next race um explore history news sustainability watch yeah the next race is a couple months away yeah so maybe by then i'll figure out how the hell they give up points um go to the imsa petite lama this weekend the last race of the dpi era before they uh, move to the new uh gtp format the lmdh category um so that'll be um an interesting race interesting to look at um 48 car field this weekend for petite lama um in terms of the championships um i mean gtd pro is basically decided math campbell matthew jaminet in the number nine uh faf porsche just have to start to win driver and teams uh otherwise every other championship is still in play to some point uh they have the conica minolta acura team um and the meyer shank racing acura um 19 point lead by the 10 over the 60 the the 10 team had a 19 point lead last year and um still lost the championship to the wheel and engineering cadillac uh team uh looks like Saquon did Saquon Barkley score or is there a hold? Um, looks oh, like somebody Saquon, finally got a touchdown. Yeah, it looks like Saquon Barkley scored a touchdown. Yeah. Oh damn! Wow. That was a that was a great run too. Um, it's twelve. And they're waiting on the extra point to yeah thirteen six Giants. Uh, LMP two John Ferrano has a thirty three point lead over Dwight Merriman and Ryan Dial. Um. Then for drivers, but then the Tower Motorsport 8 that Ferrano drives trails a 51 PR on Matheson team by 19. So that'll be interesting to look at in that series. The 74 um, and the 74 Riley Motorsports car and the 54 Core Autosport car are battling again this year. Uh, but diff- the difference is the 54 is in the lead by a lot over um, the A74 Gar Robinson, who won the title last year, is well behind John Bennett and John Aaron and Colin Braun. And so that'll be um, probably the 54 winning another title. They've been successful in different categories in the series. GTD, um, top four teams, 140 points separated. Roman DeAngelis separated the top four. Roman DeAngelis in the number 27 Aston leads Stephen McAleer and the number 32 Mercedes by 45. 
Uh, Ryan Hardwick, Jan Halen, Wright Motorsports, Porsche, 57 points. And then Philip Ellis, Russell Ward, 57 win road, Mercedes under 40 points back. So that'll be hard to, I mean, even with the points in between at different uh, time points during the race. And then there's the um, Endurance Cup Championship. So that'll go down to the wire. Uh, Something to see. So there will be seven cars in the DPI category. Um, the zero one will have Renger Van de Zanda, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, in the, and then Earl Bamber, Earl Bamba and Alex Lynn in the zero two, the five car JDC Miller, uh, last race for them as a Cadillac team. There'll be a Porsche customer team starting next year. Um, uh, Tristan Vautier, Richard Westbrook, Loic Duval. The points leading Conagman Old Acura with Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, and Brendan Hartley, the Toyota factory driver, will be their third driver in this race. Um, 31 car Olivier Pla will um, move in. Uh, they, they made a change, I think, for next year. Pippo Durrani will be um, joined by Alexander Sims next year at uh, the wheel and engineering Cadillac team. There will be the second factory car. Um, in the GTP category, Mike Conway, another Toyota driver, uh, will um, be the third driver. Uh, Mike Rockenfeller, uh, somebody I mentioned multiple times so far in the show, Kamui Kobayashi, Toyota driver, and Jimmy Johnson will make up the 48 Ally Cadillac. And then the second the car in the championship, Oliver Jarvis, Tom Blomquist, and Elio Castro-Neves, Meyer Shank Racing, Auto Nation, Acura, so we'll see how that goes with that team. Uh, there are seven cars in LMP2. Verano, Louis Deltras, Rui Andrade, Tower number eight. Steven Thomas, Josh Pearson, Tristan Nunez, Pierre one Matheson, number 11. Dwight Merriman, Ryan Dial, Christian Rasmussen, Era Motorsports, number 18. That's the car that people have to look at in regards to the drivers. Um, Dennis Anderson, Fjordbach. Fabio Scheer, high-class 20 car, Fritz Vanerd, Guido Vandergarda, and Dylan Murray um, in the 29 racing team, Nederland, Orica, and then the 52, Ben Keating, Mikkel Jensen, Scott Huffaker, Pier 1 Matheson wins car. Uh, that that car is the one that um, is playing for the teams. Um, my favorite would be the Dragon Speed car because it's Juan Pablo Montoya, his son Sebastian, and Henrik Hedman, um, the number 81. Uh, trying to see here in regards to, I mentioned about LMP3. They're good for bringing out a lot of cautions, uh, so that'll be something to look at. There's 11 cars, so that'll be one that when it comes to cautions and also traffic, you have, um, look through here, here, three of the Sean Creek Motorsports, the Andretti Autosport, Jared Andretti, Gabby Chavez, and John Bennett-Conbron, George Kurtz, Core Autosport uh, team, and you have, yeah, and then Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, Avant Burlow, Riley Motorsport team. In GTD Pro, there's seven entries. The Corvette, uh, number three of Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, Nikki Katzberg. The nine, as I mentioned, they'll be the champion. They start the race. Campbell, Jaminé, Nazar, Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnico, Kyle Kirkwood, and the Vassar Sullivan, Lexus, Ross Gunn, Alex Riberas, Tom Gamble, Harder Racing, Aston, 
Connor D. Filippi, John Edwards, Jesse Crone, and the BMW M Team RLL uh, entry. Connor D. Filippi will be a part of their um, uh, GTP program. Daniel Serra, David Rigon, James Collado, Rizzi Competizione Ferrari, and then the WeatherTech Racing um, Mercedes with Maxi Book and Maxi Goats, and then Mikhail Grenier will uh, race. No, um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the guy that, uh, uh, why is it, the heck? Um, trying to go on GT, they'll go over here. And move through entry list. I go through that to go through the points and then see full standings. I just want to go and figure out in, yeah, GT Pro, the Cooper McNeil. That's who Cooper McNeil, the guy who is his dad, run owns WeatherTech and whatever. He's not going to race this weekend. 16 cars in the GTD category, so the deepest uh, uh, class. Um, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, Eric Johansson, Paul Miller Racing, BMW, Frankie Manicalvo, Aaron Tielitz, Richard Highstand in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus, number 12, Ryan Hardwick, Zachary Robichon, Jan Halen, Wright Motorsports, Porsche, they're in the points battle, AF Corsa, Ferrari, Tony Vlander, Luis Perez, Compank, Simon Mann, uh, Roman DeAngelis, Maxime Martini, and James Harder Racing. That's going to be one to look at for the points. Mike Skeen, Stephen McAleer, Dirk Muller, Mike Skeen, testing positive for the vid, knocked him out of the points chase earlier this year. Robert McGinnis, Corey Lewis, Jeff Westfall, Carbon, Lamborghini. Uh, you have Jaden Conright, Marco Holzer, Don Yout, NTE, SSR, Lamborghini. Uh, John Potter, Andy Lally, Spencer Pump Alley. The Magnus Racing Aston Martin, the Satellar Racing Ferrari, which was basically a moving chicane earlier this year at the Rolex, uh, Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, Marvin Deanst, Windward Racing Mercedes. I think they named ri- drivers for that Crucial Motorsports McLaren, at least one, but they, they don't have it listed here. Kiffin Simpson, Tell Bechtelsheimer, Mario Farnbacher, Gradient Racing Acura. And Dallas scores, so now I have a real game. Uh, Brendan Rebe, Jordan Pepper, Seb Prio uh, in the Inception Racing McLaren. The Turner Motorsports BMW, Robbie Foley, Bill Oberlin, Mike Dynan. And then Rob Furiel, Catherine Leg, Nick Boulier, Team Hardpoint, Porsche. Make up your 48-car grid at Petit Le Mans. Our rally New Zealand coming up this uh uh, weekend, uh, as I mentioned, Cali Rovampera is the uh, championship leader uh, going into this weekend's race um, on the on the strength of five wins. But he's had a rough uh, go of it last couple of races. He's uh, 53 points out of Otanic, former world champion. Um, Thierry Neuville's third, Efren Evans, fourth, Katsuda is fifth, so three Toyotas, two Hyundais. The best Ford is Craig Breen in sixth. Um, Sebastian Loeb has only ran, what is it, four rounds this year. He's finished, he won, of course, Rally Monte Carlo, and then he's retired from two out of the other three races. Um, Ogier finished second to Loeb at Monte Carlo, and then finished fourth, I think, at, uh, not sure which rally, that was look like Kenya. Um 
and then otherwise in three races he's run this year. So something to see. We'll see if uh, Rovan Perez, there's only three rounds to go. So if he can have over a, I guess like a 55-point lead or thereabouts, because like they have the um, bonus points at the, the end of the stage. So I think it's like if he can have a 55-point lead at the end of this race, he'll be the world champion. Uh, something we'll look at next week um, to see if that actually is the if that actually happens. Uh, you dub the W series is not raced for a while. They were running during the European rounds. Um, they are now back this uh, coming weekend um, with Jamie Chadwick up by um, thirty-two seventy-five point lead. Over Alice Powell and Betske Visser, um, Abby pulling his fourth. That's really the those three drivers behind Chadwick. That's really the battle for second. That's the interest. Um, Balen Garcia, Naria Marti, Emma Kimmelainen. They're racing for fifth. I think if you finish in the top twelve of the um, series, you are allowed to continue the next year. So that's something to look at. Uh, there is um, 12th is Bruna Tomaselli. She's a point ahead of Abby Eaton. Chloe Chambers right now is 16th with only one point. So she'll need some more points here if she wants to advance and continue. Um, but she had a formula three test. So maybe there's um, an opportunity for her there. This will be the first of three races here in a span of a month to end the count and their season. They'll run at Singapore. They haven't run since uh, running in uh, France and uh, Hungary back to back. Then they'll run the U.S. Grand Prix weekend at Austin and Mexico City to end their 2022 season. Uh, we'll see if uh, Jamie Chadwick can continue her um, dominance uh essentially the way that the points are right now and i mean it's she will become a three-time champion of the series uh essentially by running the next few races uh josh i'll um open up the floor to you so you can uh wax poetic more about your jacksonville jaguars um as i take a minute uh for myself here um the fact is your they did a great job destroying the LA Chargers. Uh, Josh, I mean, what do you call them? Um, Justin Herbert has had a rough start to the year in regards to injury, uh, broken ribs and all, offensive lines beaten up. He lost his left tackle during the game on Sunday. You have, um, he lost one of a corner, or they lost a wide receiver, one of them things. And um, he's busted up. Austin Eckler's had a slow start to the year. He's kind of banged up. So uh, it's not really looking great for a team that was on the brink of the playoffs last year. Um, for Jacksonville for to come from being only a two- or three-win team or whatever last year to now be a um, contender, it usually happens that way. Teams come from last to first. Probably what the NFL does. It's where the parity comes in, Doug. Trevor Lawrence is playing at that level, that elite level that um, so many people expected from him last year. But now he has the right coach and they have players in place. Him and him and um, 
Uh, why am I forgetting his name now? Um, him and uh, Christian Kirk have built a great chemistry together. And James Robinson coming off of injury um, is right back to what he was doing last year. Uh, those three guys are the nucleus for what could be a long-term um, success. It kind of goes back, harkens back to the days of um, you know Natron Means and Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith with Mark Brunel. Or you can go back to when Fred Taylor was around, and I forget who the wide receivers were around those days. And oh. you had Byron Lefwich and da- David Garrard and stuff. So um, I'll give you the floor here for a few moments to talk about your great your team and how good they look so far after three weeks. Yeah, I mean, talked about it earlier in the show, but you know, this um, Jacksonville Jaguars team going out winning thirty eight to ten over the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, um, you know, they just flat out demolished them, like I said, and you know, it's been interesting to watch this play out. Uh, you know, first half they had them. Uh, you know, defensive struggle kind of in the first half. Uh, early, you know, early turnovers by Justin Herbert interception off of a play action pass to the running back. Devin Lloyd picked it up and returned it inside the 10. Uh, had a chance to go up and get a touchdown there, and they should have uh, handed it off to Robinson, but then uh, they passed. They, hand, they tried to do a reverse to Zay Jones, uh, and then they passed two times, and then settled for the field goal. Uh, so that was my only complaint about the game is, like, maximizing the points, especially off of a big play in the red zone, or, you know, to start out in the red zone. So... Um, that's, that's fine though. They still won the game. So, um, 38 to 10 versus, uh, um, 45 to 10, uh, not going to complain, but, um, or 42 to 10, whatever. Um, yeah, this, this whole, uh, thing was, uh, very, uh, you know, just good, good to see for the Jaguars, um, you know, after years of struggle. Um, and then, you know, now we're seeing this and they're legitimately a contender for the AFC, uh, and, I think definitely a contender to win the uh, AFC divisional title for the AFC South. So looking forward to seeing how this year plays out. Um, you know, you mentioned Christian Kirk, uh, you know, uh, Zay Jones also is uh, somebody that's really come out the last couple of weeks. Um, people are saying in training camp, Zay Jones had the uh, best chemistry with Trevor Lawrence and um, you know, he's, shown shown what he can do so far so you know expect a lot out of zay jones this year as a member of the jaguars um jane robinson coming back from uh achilles injury um in in that uh was a scary injury back in 2021 but now coming back here nine months later and he's out getting uh 50 yard touchdowns um and you know 30 yard you know 40 yard touchdowns previous week so uh he's back and yeah, what a play! Fourth and one, fifty-yard line, and they went for it. And uh, James Robinson goes out and gets the score somehow. Somehow, after Achilles surgery, he actually got faster because um, you know last year James Robinson and the previous year, like he he knows his strength is being able to uh, find the hole and um, you know get the most the most yards efficiently, but. You know, he doesn't have like that, you know, extra gear to really take off and, um, you know, get past the secondary. Uh, but, you know, in this game, um, you know, he showed showed that speed on that 50-yard run. So, you know, when he's able to take off, you know, maybe, maybe somehow got faster there after tearing his Achilles and get it, you know, uh, repaired and everything. So I'm um, really happy he's 
back and um, looking, you know, like one of the top running backs in the AFC and possibly in the NFL. So um, really happy about that. Defensively, uh, Devin Lloyd coming out, uh, showing up uh, once again. Uh, Dewan Smoot showing up, uh, forcing a football on Justin Herbert, and then Herbert er, recovered by Foyer Olokin, who I have in fantasy. Um, got that. Uh, what else? Uh, defensively, um, you know, good good job in the secondary um, batting passes from Herbert, good coverage all around for the most part. You know, Herbert, you know, was able to still look elite at times during the game, but, you know, overall there was just too much for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, for, you know, the LA Chargers to overcome. So, you know, great game all around, great game to be a part of. Um, yeah, just glad to see it. Uh, you know, the Chargers you know, had a decision. Should they have played Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter when the game was, you know, already out of hand and probably not a good idea, especially, you know, with, QB injured they could have put in the uh backup in Chase Daniel but they decided not to somehow said not to do that and um you know was scrolling through Twitter last night you know seeing some uh rumors floating around that you know maybe the Chargers coaching staff has already lost their locker room which would be interesting to see after all the hype of Brandon Staley last year and um their coaching um you know how he was somehow like the wonder kid of the NF of the NFL uh, or wonder kind whatever um you know I looking looking not so great after three weeks so you know we'll see how they respond next week when you know when they play um whoever they play so um all in all jacksonville jaguars legitimately contender for the afc uh south and probably you know going to be one of the teams to you know beat in the uh you know the conference so uh looking forward i i really hope we have a home playoff game this year which i will i will do what i can to attend just as i did the last time we had a home playoff game and you know hopefully uh we go from there because um i mean looking at the schedule you know next week against the philadelphia eagles if they beat them then they're absolutely legitimate and they should um i mean honestly if i were nbc they should be flexed on a sunday night football over over the uh the Chiefs and Tom Brady and the the Bucks, like I think that's a better watch than uh, Tom Brady, forty five year old, you know, uh, should have stayed retired. Tom Brady and and uh, the uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I, I think that's a better game. Yeah, playing at Miami more than likely because they're not going to be able to play at their own stadium. We'll see. We'll see how it happens. Yeah. It's a week from now and everything, but we'll see. But um, got that, and I mean, if if the Jags do beat the which I, you know, I'm confident that they will beat the uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I mean, they're absolutely a legitimate team. After that, they face uh, the Houston Texans at home. Uh, I'm pulling up their schedule here in a second. They they face the Houston Texans at home uh, October 9, and then, then they go to, uh, let's see, they go Jaguars. Uh, I think they have an away game after that. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule for the year, uh, full schedule. Then they play the Colts in Indianapolis on October 16. Uh, I think I think that's a W. New York Giants probably a W. Denver Broncos they're trash. Russell Wilson is washed now. Stole 245 million or whatever, uh, you know, with that contract and how he's playing this year. That looks like stolen money. Um, they can beat them. The Raiders look beatable. And so then, then they face the Chiefs. So if you know if they, I guess reasonably speaking, Kansas City Chiefs Week Ten Sunday eleven thirteen, that should be a game that's flexed onto Sunday Night Football. 
um, if as long as the Jaguars continue to have the success that they have now and have a uh, uh, you know winning record, um, that's a that's a game to watch and would be their first time on Sunday Night Football in, since uh, 2008 against the uh, Steelers in, uh, during that year. So uh, we'll see. But you know, all in all, uh, you know, it's looking like you know it's going to be a great year in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and um, you know, for for this uh, Jaguars team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see that. I mean, you have the players you've been drafting. Uh, I guess uh, the reclamation project for um, um, Balky finally figured out um, how to do it. But I, he also has a coach that he gets along yeah. with. It's the and, Balky and uh, Doug Peterson masterclass. Yeah, I think it's also proof that Doug Peterson should have never been fired by Philadelphia. Um, he was right. He, they were not ready to put in Jalen Hurts, but he wasn't willing to go and um, fully go all in with it at that point. Um, you can see it the way that he played last year at times. He wasn't ready. And in the playoff game, it wasn't good. But this year, he's taken that step forward. Um, they just found a yes person in Nick Sirianni, who Ty Schmidt from the Pat McAfee show does a great impression of. Um, on the flip side, the Niners lost 11-10. to 10. Um, They only gave up what is it uh six points or whatever i mean like they gave up uh one touchdown in the end uh but jimmy garoppolo uh, turned the ball over gave up a field goal he pulled an orlovsky and ran out in at the edge of the end zone um the play calling at times was was mediocre as per usual kyle shanahan they were one for ten on third downs it was not it was not very um, uh, worthwhile this game. Uh, Russell Wilson did not play well. Um, he literally only had one good drive, and that was essentially the drive that decided the game. Uh, but otherwise, the Denver Broncos are a very uh, hapless team. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is not that good of a coach. Uh, they have a good defense, I will give them that, but that that's a lot to do with Vic Fangio and their last regime and going and drafting a lot of talent that they have there. They've picked up some guys. A lot of 49er guys are there now. Uh, same as Miami, ironically enough. Um, and the Miami is doing so great. So uh, Jamie's performance yesterday was, was inexplicable. Uh, but it, and to be fair, that's what Jimmy is. And it's for all these all the idiots and pundits that shit on Trey Lance. That's why Trey Lance was drafted three overall. I mean, they gave up three ones um, because the potential with him and the ability to stretch a defense, the ability to scare it, scare him with the legs when you're not running him right up the middle into the line, uh, uh, running him bootlegs kind of the way that they run Russell Wilson, um, being able to kind of freelance a little bit, no pun intended. Um, that's why they wanted him there. But Kyle Shanahan doesn't know how to handle that, obviously. Um, he was trying to kill him the way they killed the RG3 in Washington. So we'll see what happens next week during Monday Night Football. Uh, they have to come out and play well against the LA Rams. Over time, they've had uh, the number of the Rams. Uh, but, of course, in that big spot last year um, in LA, uh, they blew that game against the LA Rams in the NFC Championship game when they had a chance to advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, so... We'll see what Jimmy has to offer. Trent Williams is out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. 
So I think time is uh, starting to catch up with the great legend, um, best offensive lineman there is in the game, highest ranked offensive lineman ever in the NFL top 100. Um, unfortunate incident because of a terrible play by Jimmy. Um, now he's hurt. So this offensive line, the depth of this offensive line is going to be tested. Uh, the running game is there with Jeff Wilson. Um, Debo hasn't really had as much uh, success out of the backfield, but he did get a touch there. He was he was able to score or whatever. And um, Brandon Ayuk is good, but um, you need better play from the quarterback position. He both he missed multiple balls to him, and he missed he missed at least one to Debo and one to Brandon Ayuk. He threw in a triple coverage, trying to throw to Debo late in the game uh, for no reason, and that essentially put the game away. So. I mean, dude's been in the league for fucking 10 years and he's making and he throws at least three hospital balls a game trying to kill his his receivers. So um, I just I, I don't know what to do. Uh, it's a, I went a few weeks ago. I was really happy and I was really positive. But one and two feels a lot worse than one and two after that performance. But I guess we'll see what happens on Monday night. Uh, a lot of injuries going on here for the 49ers. That's C.D. Lamb. Oh, boy. Uh, C.D. Lamb to the one-yard line. Um, so this is getting to be really spicy. 9.04 to go in the fourth. C.D. Lamb gets let go free for whatever reason. And he almost runs into the end zone there in, that pro- in the process. So uh, pretty good job by him. Uh, ah, so that is that. I was going to say, talk about uh, my fantasy football team right now. I'm leading um, as long as they don't give a ball to Tony. Oh, man, I think uh, they're going to say he was out of bounds because he got pushed out. But C.D. Lamb had caught, or no, did they call it a touchdown? Yeah, they did. He literally caught that ball with one hand. C.D. Lamb just caught the ball with one hand. And Joe just won the week, probably. Um, I made a trade with Steven. He's a new uh, player in this league, a friend of Vic's. Um, yeah, one-handed catch. One, two, yep, he had a toe-drag swag. Um, the aforementioned Christian Kirk is uh, heading uh, Stevens' way along with Austin Eckler. I'm getting uh, Joe Mixon from the Cincinnati Bengals and rookie sensation Chris Olave, um, who had nine for 147 on 13 targets this week. Um, last week, he had... Five for 80 on 13 targets. So um, essentially, he's um, the favorite target of uh, Jameis Winston. So we'll see what happens with that trade um, as it goes through. Of course, Cincinnati plays this week on Thursday night against the um, the uh, Miami Dolphins, who are now 3-0 after being Buffalo Bills. Um, something to see there. Uh, interesting start to the year. Bills lose, Kansas City loses, um, you know, some of the NFC teams struggling. The NFC West does not look great. Um, the NFC East looks a little bit more competitive. The NFC North is kind of like a dumpster fire. It's kind of made a middle of the road. And the NFC South's a joke. So we'll see all that. I mean, it's only three weeks in to the season. We can't really make a full determination by any stretch on who's going to be where. But that... Uh, Something we'll keep up with every week here on the GSP during the season. Um, let's get into Formula One, Josh. Uh, 
got um got the Singapore Grand Prix this coming weekend. Uh we have yeah, so yeah, just under two hours right now, so that's pretty good. Um Singapore Grand Prix, a Max or stopping for all intents and purposes, is gonna win the world championship. There's not really any doubt of that at this point, but uh in, I mean, I, uh, I'll i let you start first in regards to the picks. I'm curious to look at um, status, standings and or all-time um, at uh, Singapore. First time in a few years they've they've raced there. First time since 2019. Now, Vettel is the last winner there at uh, Singapore. So that's, that's something to look at. Um, the um, best driver there is Vettel the soon-to-be-retired Sebastian Vettel. Uh, second best driver in average, Charles Leclerc. He's only ran there twice. Alonzo, um, Albon, and Norris have both ran there once. Lewis Hamilton has 12 starts there, same as uh, Sebastian Vettel. Um, has nine top fives and nine top all nine top fives are all top ten, same as Vettel has 11 top fives. Uh, five wins for Vettel at this track. Lewis Hamilton has four. Uh, Alonzo has two. So 11 in regards to winners all time. Trying to see. Yeah. The only one that has one that isn't still active is Nico Rosberg. So was it right now? The uh, Max Verstappen heads into this, this race. He has a 7.6 average. So that's Amongst current active drivers, three, four, five, six, seventh, five races there, four top tens, two top five. But I mean, I I assume we're both making the same winner pick. Yeah, Josh, I think but, um, Max Verstappen probably. And I mean, there's a little bit of um, uh, clinching here that could happen for Verstappen. Uh, Sky Sports, you know, discussing you know possibility of Verstappen winning the championship here. You know, if he wins the race, the fastest lap. Leclerc finishes eighth or lower, and Perez finishes fourth or lower than he wins the championship. Uh, and if he wins the race without a fastest lap, Leclerc has finished ninth or lower, and Perez finishes fourth or lower without a fastest lap or fifth with the fastest lap. Uh, and you know the driver's title has only been won only once uh, or twice before with five r- races. R- uh, remaining so uh, it is a early look at what he what could happen if Verstappen decides to you know if, or if he's able to clinch the title um, not sure how likely that could happen um, but you know it's certainly a possibility you know with um, Perez Perez may be able to you know maybe they give an order to Perez to you know, you know only only race uh, for fourth or lower and you know with uh, Ferrari, you know, they, um, it's a given at this point that they're going to screw up the race strategy or something's going to happen to Ferrari. Uh, so it's actually not all, uh, you know, could happen. So not all out of the realm of possibilities that this could happen. But is it likely? I don't know. So we'll see. But as far as the podium, you know, uh, it's been it's been a few years, so there's a lot of, you know, don't know what's going to happen. You're kind of going off of things that have happened this year. Uh, but um, I I will actually pick Leclerc to finish uh, third on the podium, uh, and then um, you know based on based on what we've been seeing in in F one, uh, it's tough. But you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, 
George Russell on the podium this weekend. Uh, and so Leclerc and George Russell finished on the podium uh, behind Max Verstappen. Verstappen have to or Verstappen have to wait a, another week to win or you know, win, win the title potentially in Japan, which may be a little bit more likely. But this will be uh, one, two, three, four. This will be six wins in a row if Verstappen is able to uh, get the win in uh, here in Singapore. So. Um, you know, we haven't even made it to the United States yet, so that's in a couple of weeks from now, but uh, Grand Prix of the United States, but um, which maybe that's the place where uh, Verstappen ends up clinching the title. But, uh, you know, I think um, this weekend, I mean, of course, hard not to go against, you know, the guy that's won five races in a row here. Um, but otherwise, otherwise, you know, we're, you know, just trying to pick whoever else can, you know, be the best besides Verstappen. So. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what Mercedes, you know, if they can improve upon their, you know, their last, uh, race where, you know, Russell finished on the podium there and, uh, Verstappen or, uh, not Verstappen, but Lewis Hamilton finished in fifth. So we'll see what Mercedes can do. Um, and you know, if, um, Ferrari cannot screw up the strategy for once this weekend, so we'll see, but yeah, it should be an interesting race. You know, we haven't been there in a couple of years to Singapore. It's been almost three years now. So, um, be interesting to see how, how it all plays out. Um, you know, after a long time and long absence and you know, how drivers have to get used to being on the circuit again and all the, all those, uh, intricacies that go into uh race weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's something we'll, we'll see who did, what is your order? So did you say Leclerc for third so, or Leclerc for second? I, I initially said Leclerc third, but I'm going to change that and say second. And um, second, George Russell, Russell third. third. Yeah, I think that's a little bit more likely. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and worth. I mean, I'll I'll go and echo the win for Phil um, Verstappen to win. I will say Lewis Hamilton finishes second and Carlos Sainz finishes third. Now, um, Checo Perez in whatever, whatever, um, hypothetical I have over here. Um, Checo Perez finishes outside of the top five, but Charles Leclerc finishes inside of the top eight, which means the world championship would still go continue to next week at Suzuka for the Japanese Grand Prix. But, for all intents and purposes, Max Verstappen uh, would be champion-elect for the um, Formula One World Championship. I know I everyone remembers when, uh, um, what do you call, Nigel Mansell won the championship at Hungary in August of that year, and they were still racing for, I think, another couple of months after that. Um, and yeah, that was only a 16-round calendar. I think it was five races to go still after that. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other one was, if it was either Schumacher or Hamilton, um, who locked it up that early. But I can't remember off the top of my head. Dallas just kicked another field goal. They're up 10 points um, in the fourth, for those people that are interested in that. Um, I was just checking out the picks here since it was a picks channel. I was making corrections, and I had picked... Um, I had picked Tyler Reddick as a wild card, so so that's um, so I guess theoretically I sort of pseudo picked the winner there. I mean, I did pick YRB, but I did have Reddick as a wild card, 
And honestly, Josh, you had MTJ as a wild card, and um, he was leading when he wrecked. Yeah. Um, so was William Clyde Elliott. I think he was leading when he wrecked. So uh, I, I think we all. I picked. Yeah, I picked to win and MTJ for. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. was we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So this, I I will say that this week's picks, starting with the truck series, are going to be a little more wonky now. The, to just give a preface to the Tate Fogelman algorithm, the reason it's named after Tate Fogelman is because the first, I think the first ever algorithm uh, pick that we did was for a Talladega yeah. truck yeah. race. And Tate Algo. Yeah, Tate Fogelman yeah. won. Yeah, and Tate Fo- you picked Tate Fogelman from the algorithm, or the algorithm pick, whatever way you want to put it. Tate Fogelman wins wrecking across the line and from then on we've we've t- called it the algorithm but i at daytona um earlier this summer i or last month i said we need to name it after him um give it a give its own name probably figure out a way to t- get tate fogelman on the air uh here on the gsp but um something we'll work on maybe hopefully for the end of the year or something like that uh but let's get into the truck series of uh, 41 drivers for 36 spots. So qualifying actually will be somewhat interesting. Uh, Chevy Silverado 250. It'll be a double header. It'll be a really busy Saturday at Talladega. Um, if the weather holds, if weather is all good, then um, there's going to be a lot of action for all the inbreds that uh, go to that deal. Uh, Ty Majeski. Um, one, of course, at Bristol a few couple weeks ago, locked himself into the final four. Chandler Smith is 21, 24 points above the cutoff. Zane Smith, 21 points above the cutoff. Uh, Stuart Friesen, nine points above over John Hunter Nemechek. Christian Eckes, minus 13. Grant Enfinger, minus 15. Brent, ben Rhodes, minus 18. Now, Ben Rhodes, of course, is one at Daytona. Grant Enfinger is one at I think he's one at Daytona and Talladega in a truck. Definitely Day- Talladega in a truck and Daytona in an ARCA car. Uh, Christian Eckes has good super speedway experience. John Hunter Nemechek, um, checkered history on super speedways, but um, he's driving for Kyle Busch, at least for the next, whatever, three races. Um, so um, for me, who do I go and pick? I'm trying to look at the um, entry list here for... The truck race. Who do I pick as a winner? I am going to choose as a winner for this race. I am going to pick. Oh, maggot moron! Tim Vines is in this race. Oh boy. Uh, or at least trying to. I'm going to pick Parker Kligerman to win this race at Talladega. He's going to be running double duty. Uh, they did win at Mid Ohio earlier this year. The Henderson Motorsports uh, outfit. My wild card pick for this uh, race. Wild card really should be wild. I probably should have, you know, I should have probably picked him, but I didn't. My wild card pick, I mean, Jennifer Ho. Wow, Jennifer Ho Cobb's actually going to try to qualify for this race. <laughs> Good luck to her. Um, I think there's, there's vibes with Young's Motorsports since Spencer Boyd won a couple years ago here. Um, and then Tate Fogelman won in the 12 truck. 
Of course, Spencer Boyd will be in the 12 truck this weekend. Parker Retzlaff, the guy who looks like uh, Paperboy, uh, but is a great uh, iRacer. He's been driving for the Siegs uh, this year in the Xfinity Series. He's going to be driving the 20 truck. I'm not going to go that far out on a limb. Though I will go and say Young's Motorsports truck, Kaz Gralla, a former winner at Daytona, uh, driving for GMS. He will keep the Young's Motorsports vibe alive at Talladega with a victory. Much needed, trying to get himself a ride next year. A lot of moving parts in the truck series for sure. Um, And Xfinity, for that matter, amongst teams outside of probably the big teams. But I mean, I think outside of junior motorsports, I think every team is kind of looking to set everything up there. So, so yeah, I'm going to pick Parker Kligerman as my winner and Kaz Gralla as my dark horse for the trucks. How about you, Josh? Yeah. So I think, I think for me, um, I'm finishing typing up your thing, but yeah, for me, um, I mean, this, this race is such a crapshoot, especially in trucks, but, um, I mean, any of these guys would be up front. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go like, it's almost, it is almost wild card here and, or algorithm pick, but I got to actually make the, the pick here. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, oh man, this is tough. Like, like actually tough. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Ryan Priest to win. Why not? Let's, let's go way out. That's there exactly what I, yeah. that's a, you see, it's funny how, it's why we work together. Yeah. Um, I I went through, there was two people I went through as I scrolled back up through the list. And I'm like, I probably should have picked him or I should have picked him. And one of the people was Ryan Priest because he's in a, he's in a front row, essentially front row truck. And they have Stuart Haas support and a whole bit. So, and he has super speedway experience. He's done well in cup series and super speedways. So algorithm yeah. pick um, is so. Uh, we're waiting to see what uh, the algorithm says for this race. It's yeah. been good. And it's been good, yeah. So, yeah, let me run the algorithm really quick. Do-do-do. And for the truck race, the algorithm says that the number one, or not number one, the that would be huge too, but the number 61 of Chase Purdy will Chase win Purdy. this weekend. All right. Yeah, that's not bad, actually. Hattori Racing Enterprises with Toyota sponsorship from Old Mississippi or, you know, Old Miss University. So might actually be legit. Uh, yeah. And then, oh, my God, what was that by Daniel Jones? Jesus Christ. That's intentional grounding, too. He got sacked and then he decided to throw it. That's grounding. What's what's the score? Uh, still still is it still 20? It's still 23-13 with for 343 to go. They're going to oh. go and call in grounding there. He's going to be have lost a down. Um, yeah, I mean, the Purdy has not really done much anything this year. Neither is his teammate, Tyler Ankrum. But um, it would be something for Purdy. He's done well on super speedways in the Arca series. Yeah, so it's not far out there. Uh, Corey Heim will be in the 51 for Cowboys Motorsports. That's one to look at. Timmy Hill running for his own team. Uh, you have, I'm trying to go through, scroll through Clay Greenfield, who's had uh, had great success on super speedways over time. 
Um, I mentioned Ben Rhodes, of course, former winner at Daytona. Majeski's free rolling, so who knows what he could do. Um, Zade Smith won uh, at Daytona earlier this year, and you know he's somebody that you know he's he's got a, a nice deal for next year, running all three series. Johnny Sauter running with Junior Joiner as his crew chief, uh, going to Talladega as a former winner there. He's good at the super speedways when he chooses to be, uh, when he's not rage quitting. Just a few people look at Jordan Anderson, almost won at Daytona a couple years ago, along with Corey Roper. So it is a wild card race for sure. Um, this race, they'll have a few weeks before they um, have their cutoff. Uh, their next race would be the the race at Martinsville. Uh, so, or no, actually wait, they have Talladega and they don't run at Martinsville. Oh, so their cutoff race is Homestead. I didn't know that. Okay. I thought they were running Martinsville. Okay. My fault. So they'll run at Homestead, uh, in a few weeks time, and then they'll have, uh, a couple uh, weeks before their, uh, season finale. So Homestead, which will be in the, um, in three weeks, yeah, three weeks after Talladega, they'll race at Homestead on Saturday afternoon, uh, the Baptist Health 200. So that'll be the th- cutoff race and the round of eight for them. They'll take the week off for Martinsville, and then they'll show up at Phoenix for the finale. Sfinity Series at Talladega last year. Uh, Sparks 300 last year saw Brandon Brown and the birth of a certain saying that a segment of our population has uh, latched on to. Uh, now uh, his career is basically over, so um, credit to all those geniuses uh, on that. I mean, I guess he doubled down on it, so he's kind of guilty of it in his own right. Uh, 41 cars for 38 spots. It looks like uh, Mike Harmon is going to run his own 47 car. The fact he can fit in the car is a uh, miracle in its own right. So that, I mean, that's one thing. Uh, You got uh, Timmy Hill driving the 13, trying to make it in on time. Jeffrey Earnhardt driving for Emerling Gase in a Ford. Uh, Jeremy Clemens mentioned, of course, he won at Daytona needs to win here to give himself any chance. Parker Kligerman will be in the 48 uh, big machine Chevy, so running that double duty, as I mentioned. Uh, who who else was I? Yeah, Joe Nemechek, a rare, uh, a rare uh, appearance in the Xfinity Series these days, running for Sam Hunt in the 24, so they have no points. I'm not sure how the champions provisionals are working he might have a chance to make the show uh as a past champion provisional um so josh i'm gonna go to you first uh because um then you will leave the drama i mean there really isn't a whole lot of drama with the cup series but we'll go to you first for xfinity on your pick to win and your um the uh tate fogelman algorithm choice for the sparks 300 here at talladega yeah, so I think for me, you know, um, I'm going to stay with the playoff contenders. And, you know, I talked about him earlier here in the show and the, the points because he needs to win. But, yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Daniel Hemrick to win this uh, 
weekend here in Talladega, um, college racing, you know, we, we talked about it many, many times here on the show, but, uh, college racing has, uh, done a phenomenal job working together on the super speedways. And, um, you know, he's been, been a driver to watch, um, as long as, or they've been a team to watch, you know, as long as they stay in, in formation and, you know, they're able to, uh, execute the runs and blocks and all that stuff. Um, but I imagine that, um, you know, AJ Allmendinger is in a better points position than, um, than Hemrick. And you got Landon Castle, who's not in the playoffs, but, uh, is good at super speedway racing. So look at, look at these guys to team up together, try to get Daniel Hemrick into uh, the next round, uh, secure his spot. And it's not a dire situation. He's only like one point out, but still, um, I still see those guys like they always do team up to win. And, you know, I think Hemrick, you know, hasn't won all year so you know i think this would be a good opportunity for him to win um this weekend but yeah that's that's who i'm thinking and um you know it's going to be um you know battle between those you know those cars at the end of the race i think anyways um and you know hopefully you know dan Hunter can go out and actually you know pull out the victory here um you know win his second career race in xfinity race or in xfinity series so uh we'll see um and then you know, as far as the algorithm goes, now the moment we've all been waiting for, uh, it seems to be getting smarter because uh, it picked Josh Berry in the number eight car to win. So yeah, little little surprise there, but uh, yeah, Josh Berry going out when winning uh, Talladega. That's what the algorithm thinks. Yeah, so I just typed that in there. Josh Berry would definitely appreciate that since he's not a road racer. And he doesn't want to have to race in on points at the Roval, um, trying to be like his uh, car owner and buddy, Dale Jr., uh, trying to go and take the vibes of the eight and Dale Jr. and go and ride it to victory lane would be a very popular victory for sure if Josh Berry could get yet another victory here. Um, Daniel Hemrick won his first stage last week since the Daytona opener where he won the first two stages from pole and then got wrecked. So in the end, the uh, colleague team doesn't have speed at a lot of these racetracks. Almendinger is like at least a step or step and a half above his teammates. Uh, it might be leading towards him running full-time in cup next year, which might in turn kind of start setting off a bunch of dominoes there. But in terms of um, my picks for the Xfinity series race winner i'm going to go with i'm going to go this is kind of tough it's kind of tough but i think it's kind of straightforward but i don't know um i'm gonna go and choose trevor bain in the 18 uh for joe gibbs as my winner uh, we know his prowess on super speedways over time. He was close to winning here in the truck race for Nice a year ago or a couple of years ago. Um, his one cup win, of course, was one of the great Daytona 500s um, ever. I mean, minus the fact that Tony Stewart had a chance to win it and Mark Martin didn't go with him and they didn't go anywhere. Um, he was on the last restart there, but... Trevor Bain, he wants a win here. I think the way things are going in the Xfinity and the Truck Series, he might be able to find an opportunity full-time. Next year, Gibbs doesn't have any drivers as of now set 
for their Xfinity program. I mean, I think we could kind of venture to say that Sammy Smith and probably um, John Hunter Nemechek would be two of the drivers in their program. And then they would have a third car that would kind of be a star car um, with their cup drivers. It would also allow Ty Gibbs to um, run a few races here and there, um, probably open up an opportunity for Christopher Bell to run like five races as well. Um, and then they can kind of dovetail that across with the rest of the people with money and stuff. So I'll pick I'll pick Trevor Bain. My wild card pick, uh, it's kind of tough, really. I mean, if there's like a ton of destruction, it's one pick. But then uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Alfredo, our motorsports. So fast pasta. I'll go with, uh, he's, he's a guy that at times this year has shown pace. He's been uh, a capable driver. I think that team is not as bad as they looked with other drivers being around, but, um, Alfredo has done all right. And, um, if our motorsports focused their energies on less cars and focused on trying to get more productivity out of less cars um they'd be good and anthony alfredo with pat trison's a great combination uh trison's won plenty of races so uh, that's my wild card pick cup series at date uh, talladega daytona talladega uh yellow wood 500 uh last year um for certain segments of society you may want to go and plug your ears i'm sure if you listen to this show you won't be offended anyways uh daryl bubba wells uh won his first career cup series race in a rain shortened affair and um you know he doubled down and proved how in that he was capable and you know, worthy of being in the cup series with his win uh at kansas speedway a few weeks ago Bubba Wallace, of course, is basically the best super speedway driver currently in the Cup Series in recent times. Uh, the Daytona uh, elimination race, the Coke Zero 400, turned into a demolition derby uh, in large part because NASCAR didn't throw a caution for rain. So that's that's one thing to take into account. Um, John, what do you call Ryan Blaney? has been really good at Talladega uh, over time. It seems like Penske is much better at Talladega than they are at Daytona, even though um, all their drivers, including Brad, have had their moments at prior, well, prior to when he was still there, Brad Keselowski, they all have had good moments at Daytona. Um, I'm going to pick, I'll pick Ryan Blaney again. I feel like both Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex, I think it would be really weird if neither of them win this year. Um, I think uh, this race is a perfect uh, place for Ryan Blaney to win, lock himself into the next round, going into the Roval, which is a place he's won at as well, getting into the round of eight where you have two one-and-a-half-mile racetracks, different type of one-and-a-half-mile racetracks, and a short track. Uh, that'll be something to look at. But YRB, my uh, main pick, my wild card, my wild card's Brad Keselowski because I mean, why not? Dude won won a one twenty five or one fifty uh, earlier this year. He qualified on pole last week. He had a car to win at Bristol two weeks ago. Guy is one of the best super speedway racers we have um, currently, and he's great at Talladega. He's 
been he's dominated at Talladega won his first career race there. Um, it would be kind of poetic if uh, Brad Keselowski could kind of come full circle in a sense, win at Talladega for his first win as a car owner. Um, that's an interception by Daniel Jones and uh, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win on Monday night football. Um, so all the Dallas Cowboys fans are going to be throwing like nobody's business uh, win 23 to 16. So um, yeah, so I picked uh, Ryan Blaney and former teammate of his Brad Keselowski as the um, wild card. What, uh, what are you looking at Josh for your picks to win? And um, what does the algorithm spit out? Because last time we did a cup race, it spit out Noah Gregson, and I almost threw up on my microphone. So we'll see. I'll prepare myself accordingly here. No, uh, yeah. Uh, so for me personally, uh, yeah, we we started out this playoffs like almost like abnormally with the first three races being won by non-playoff drivers, and then this last one being won by a playoff driver being eliminated um last yeah so it's been it's been an interesting uh you know start to the playoffs here um and um yeah it's been interesting and i feel like we have to regress back to the mean and a playoff driver has to win at some point right so i'm gonna pick denny hamlin um coming off of recent drama with uh, drivers william byron uh everything um, he's won this race before controversial manner going below the yellow line to the, in 2020. Um, but you know, I feel like he comes out and wins this race, um, here at Talladega this weekend. Um, it's, it's going to be an interesting race for sure. And, um, there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of wild things happening and, and, you know, a lot of craziness throughout the field. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens, but as far as the algorithm goes, uh, it says, that William Byron says William Byron's going to win at Talladega. So um, the other party in the uh, fracas that happened on Sunday with uh, Danny Hamlin and William Byron, one of those guys may end up winning. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, this is probably probably the strongest alg- or algorithm pick we've had yet um, in the Cup Series. That is. So we'll see what happens. But um, I may actually, you know. F- for the first time ever actually take a bet on a nascar race because i did recently open a bovada account for um nfl games and still have a little bit of cash in there so maybe i might maybe i might throw like a parlay or something like that uh on this race we'll see then or you should throw the parlay like the guy that went and won a million dollars betting on cody ware Landon Castlin and I forget who else and he bet on and won a million dollars and then there was another guy that won nearly eight hundred thousand dollars with like a three-way parlay for all the guys finishing the top 10 back markers and then yeah so I mean there's there's options I liked betting on the super speedway races I bet on Brendan gone uh Uncle Brenny outright I didn't do any algorithms but I did uh Brendan gone outright a few years ago and it was fun to watch the race. I was rooting for him. It made it more interesting because watching super speedway racing is atrocious. So um, something to add to the deal there. I mean, honestly, picks I don't think are too crazy. Uh, I think we're, I think we'd be able to hit uh, somewhere um, in this, 
in the NASCAR realm. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty good. Uh, we all, I think three Chevrolet picks and one Toyota in my end for Xfinity. You picked, uh, um, where you got two Toyotas, a Chevy and a Ford and trucks and cup. I picked two Fords. You picked the Toyota and a Chevy, but two playoff, uh, drivers uh, so we have a fight here at the end of the game oh, sterling shepherd sterling shepherd was running down the field and had some sort of knee issue and got taken off on a cart so that's not good uh for the giants after losing their first game of the year uh, something to see that but uh we'll move forward um as it stands I've won by 15, just under 15 points over Manny. Uh, you won over Wilson by less than five points, but you got the dub. So that's what matters. Um, the best matchup of the week, Joe, because of um, C.D. Lamb and that crazy catch. Uh, what the heck is going on? Yeah, because of C.D. Lamb uh, gets... Uh, the victory by just a little over seven points on Luke. Um, um, what do you call it? Jeff? Destroys uh, Vic, the defending winner of this uh, league. Um, and then um, Professor J goes to three and zero. His Buffalo Bills lose yesterday, but he continues his momentum and goes to three and zero on the season. Um, Josh and I are are. F- I'm fourth and Josh is fifth. So four teams at two and one, uh, four teams at one and two, and Vic is at O and three going into next week where I'll be playing Vic. Um, so we'll get into that more next week and see what happens with that. Uh, Josh, let's uh, hear what's going on in regards to uh, iRacing and Sims uh, in general, like F1 and the like and um, what we should be looking at before we uh, close the deal here. Yeah, uh, you know, last last week I haven't really been able to play much. I was, you know, busy with other stuff throughout the week, so I haven't been able to hop on like I'd like to, but, you know, there's always next time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this week probably just going to be NASCAR, Talladega in all forms, truck, Xfinity, Cup in the 87 car. Um, just try to um, pad the stats here and try to get a win. Um, I think... I've been experimenting the last time when we went to uh, Talladega or to Daytona in the Xfinity and Cup car. Did a little bit of experimenting and tried to lay lay in the back until the end and then make a run. I've tried that. That seemed to work. Um, tried to um, you know stay up there or get aggressive only when necessary. It seemed to work. So maybe I'll try that or maybe just try to like say at some point I'm just gonna say screw it and go you know try to push for the lead and stay up there. Um, I think either strategy works as long as you can maintain. So, uh, you know, it's just dependent on other people. They make a mistake or not and trying to avoid the wreck and everything. So it's going to be a challenge. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that, that goes. Um, you know, other series that I try to race, um, you know, probably race the Mazdas again at some point. Um, race the Ford Mustang at some point. Um, maybe IndyCar. Uh, the, now that the season's over, it doesn't really matter, but uh indie cars i guess the iRacing series i think he's doing long beach so maybe i'll try that if i feel like it um other things so we'll see um 
I think they recently announced the injury blanks for the Open Wheels 500. Um, not sure yet if I'm going to actually do it. Not because I don't want to, but just because I don't know what my schedule is going to look like in a couple months. So I'm not sure yet what what my uh, plans are going to be. So um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of F1 if I can get to it. Over you know this week, the weekend, whatever, um, and everything. Uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see if I can get around to sim racing this week um and everything so um as always you know if i decide to stream which you know talladega is probably a good stream to have so probably do probably do that um you know as always twitch tv slash you sailor 2 go in there follow the streams uh and see my racing on there uh by the way i intend on going to orlando uh this weekend gonna hang out try to hang out with uh our friend Joe Passero, um, who we've had on many times, he's in Florida right now and uh, currently made arrangements to go, you know, uh, watch, try to watch the race together uh, in Orlando. So on Sunday, so should be interesting. Get some, um, you know, meet up with somebody and, you know, get some uh, live, live takes as we watch the race uh, in, in, a, you know, I forgot where we're going to go to, but I think some restaurant or something in near Disney. So, uh, should be interesting. So looking forward to that, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll still go as long as the, uh, you know, hurricane goes through and everything. We're all good. And, you know, roads are cleared and cleared up and everything. So, uh, it should be, should be interesting and, you know, looking forward to that. But yeah, as always, uh, you can follow me on social media, JP Huffine on Twitter, go in there and look at my stuff and, you know, see what I have to say. And, you know, been talking about the Jaguars recently as, as, uh, clearly made that obvious and yeah, been, you know, Get my hot takes on there and you know you um when the jaguars are good you know watch out for us on twitter you know you guys are gonna well not to say you guys but um in general jaguars twitter um you know people people don't want to mess with them on twitter in general and now now that we're actually good and they're gonna have to really respect us so yeah we'll see but you know follow me on there and all my other takes and everything twitter.com slash uh jp at jp huffine so go in there and then of course see us on youtube Grip Share Podcast YouTube, go in there, hit subscribe button, uh, and watch our videos and you know, see everything we gotta say in video format. And um yeah, you can go follow us on there and uh like, comment and subscribe to our page. So uh yeah, you can go on there and watch us and if you don't wanna just listen, you wanna see me repping the Jags, see Phil repping, you know, whoever uh he decides to rep, whether it's Keslowski or um other racers, you know, Chase Briscoe, so uh, we'll see, but football um, or baseball, hockey or baseball stuff. or whatever comes yeah. to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course you can see our most shots and whoever else, you know, we have on the show as guests. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for me tonight. So, yeah, I'll let you, uh, do the rest of the close fill. Absolutely. Thanks as always, brother, for, um, your contribution and everything you do. Um, especially on the, uh, YouTube side, uh, for our, for our show getting the show out there for uh, the fans and the people that listen and want to go and see us that way. Um, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter and find grip strip podcast on Twitter at grip strip pod. Uh, you can find the grip strip podcast basically anywhere you um, find podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Pond, Podbean, Bandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Verbal are all the ones that we have there um, in regards to where podcasts go. I think there probably is more, but um, something we'll go and look into as we go along. 
you know, I, I mentioned my Twitter. I also go and do hits on the on the Grid Talk Formula One Grid Talk podcast with George Housen and company. I'm going to upload an episode of um, with Formula One related with uh, Tom Downey from Everything F1 and um, uh, Carl King of the Monkey Seat Motorsport podcast, which was an uncensored Formula One podcast talking about uh, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull leading into this last part of the World Championship. So take a listen to that if you'd like and like a little more uh, color and flavor uh, there in regards to coverage. And then we'll upload this episode here later in the week. And we will be back for episode 137 of the Grifter Podcast going over all things Talladega, Grand Prix of Singapore, um, the um, Petit Le Mans, uh, MotoGP, Moto2 at Thailand, NHRA at St. Louis, Singapore W Series, Bathurst 1000 will be next weekend. So the great race, one of the greatest races in the world. Uh, world Superbikes will be at Portimao in Portugal. Uh, the season finale for British Touring Cars will be taking place next week at the Brandsatch GP Circuit. Talk about football and fantasy football. And um, probably talk about me. I'll probably kick in a little Yankee talk with Aaron Judge. Probably, hopefully, be talking about the Niners in a positive way. And um, anything else going on in sports and bowling, et cetera, et cetera. We'll we'll talk about fantasy. We'll talk about radio teams. Also talk about Formula One at the Japanese Grand Prix, where essentially after all the machinations we talked about, uh, Max Verstappen will end up winning the championship at Suzuka place where there's been plenty of controversy and weird stuff that's happened over time. Uh, Cup and Xfinity will run the Charlotte Roval to end their uh, respective rounds. In the case of both of them, will be the round of, or I mean, Cup will be going to the round, both of them will be going towards the round of eight um, after the Charlotte Roval. And um, so with that, Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and uh, liking and subscribing. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we can do to improve and what you want to hear or who you want to hear from uh, on the Gripster podcast. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Um, Thank you for listening to Gripster podcast. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.